The following message is a presentation from Grace Baptist Church in Kettering, Ohio. Find our Bibles and go over to the book of Luke. We're going to look at the man named Simeon. Now, uh, as we think of our world around us, uh, we do uh, realize that in every time there has always been, uh, there's always been darkness. Has there not? Always been darkness. In fact, from the moment that sin entered into the world, uh, a dark a dark cloud kind of spread over the whole world. Uh, metaphorically, it happened, but in reality, the darkness of sin is a very real thing. And in Luke chapter number 2, in verse number 25, we find that there was a, a man who was awaiting the enlightenment of all mankind, the illumination of all mankind through the Messiah. When we think of light, we think of righteousness. We think of honesty. We think of truth. Uh, boy, don't we need a good dose of light in our country today. Uh, we think of confidence that comes along with knowing the truth. We think of assurance that comes along, and even boldness. You know, the Bible says this in Proverbs 28 and verse number 1, that the righteous are bold as a lion, but the wicked flee when no man pursueth. Why do they have that boldness? Because they have the truth on their side, the righteous, those that are of the truth. But when we think of darkness, we think of wickedness, we think of oppression. We think of deception. We think of error. And this brings along uncertainty. Sometimes darkness is just plain creepy, isn't it, kids? It's creepy. You know, sometimes you don't know what's out there. You don't know what's, uh, you, you, you're uncertain. So it, it brings on uh, feelings of fearfulness. And so all around us in the world, we realize that it is shrouded because of sin in darkness darkness. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter number 6 and verse number 12 that we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. Your problems this week have not been against flesh and blood, but they've been against darkness. It's been a spiritual battle that you face this week. As you struggle for victory, it's been a spiritual battle. It's not, against, uh, it's, a, it's not against the flesh and blood, but against principalities, against the powers, against the rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high place. The rulers of darkness, those that reign in darkness. The Bible says in John 1, verse number 4, in Jesus was life, and the life was the light of men, and the light shineth in darkness... And the darkness comprehendeth it not. Do you realize that even in Jesus' day, people walked by him and didn't realize he was the light of the world? Even today, still, uh, Satan has blinded the eyes of the, the world lest they should receive the glorious light of the gospel. John 8 and verse number 12, Then Jesus again saying unto them, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have life shall have the light of life. And so as Jesus came into the world, what was he bringing into the darkness? Light. As you hold those candles tonight and those, those, uh, those uh, fake candles tonight, kids, uh, you realize that that's light in the midst of what is a darker auditorium. But if this was pitch black in here, it would um, bring off light. It would show off light in such a, a splendorous way. And that is exactly what Jesus did when he came in the world. He came to bring light into darkness, absolute darkness. I find it interesting that Jesus was light and he was announced with light. Have you thought about that before? When, uh, when it said, we just read a few moments ago there in Luke chapter number 2, when the, when the shepherds saw the angels come upon them, the Bible says the glory of the Lord shone round about them. What was that? 
It was all of God's splendor just being unveiled. It was light, the brightness of his glory shining round about him. It lit up the night sky, and he was announced by the angels with light in chapter 2 and verse number 9. But even as we've thought about this week, how many of you got to see the Christmas star? Several of you? Um, I did not. I did not get to. I've, I've been searching for images. This is one from NASA, uh, as I understand, taken out in California. And uh, it, it, was, it was all the way, you know, already passed by the time we uh, got to looking at it. But I, I heard Brother Cliff uh, got to see it last night, and I see some others did. And, and it was an encouragement to Brother Cliff uh, just to be able to see that and be a part of that, that in history. I mean, this is, this is I guess, a once-in-a-lifetime uh, opportunity, and that it looks like I might have missed, right? Is it out tonight? It is, so maybe we'll get to see it. But regardless, the Christmas star, and I find it interesting that the world's talking about this, right? The Christmas star. And the, the Christmas star is light, a special light that guided, it was a sign from God that guided people to Jesus Christ. He was announced with light. As being the light of the world, he was announced with light. And so as we think of this man, Simeon, in Luke chapter number 2, I hope you're there, Luke chapter number 2, verse number 25, we find that, we find that this man was awaiting the light of the world. He was touched in his heart by the Holy Spirit and knew that he needed to be in the temple at that time looking for the light. Now I want you to stop and think as, as we, we'll get to this in a moment, but Mary and Joseph were in the temple. It was a part of their custom. They were in Herod's temple. So they, they and I, we have a picture for you just to get this, uh, this imagery uh, together tonight. But they were in Herod's temple, and they were there by custom. And at that moment, God sent and prompted Simeon to be there to, um, to be able to see this. So let's read, as we think about that, let's read verse number 25 and forward. The Bible says, and behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And the same man was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Ghost was upon him, and it was revealed unto him by the Holy Ghost that he should not see death. He wouldn't die before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And I want you really to pay attention to that, that phrase there, the Lord's Christ, the Lord's Messiah. Verse 27, and he came by the Spirit into the temple, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him after the custom of the law. Then he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now let us thy servant depart in peace according to thy word. For mine eyes have seen thy salvation, which thou hast prepared before the face of all people. Now, did you notice that? All people, all people. Let's not forget that. Verse 32, a light to lighten the Gentiles. A light to lighten the Gentiles. And the glory of thy people Israel. And Joseph and his mother marveled at those things which were spoken of him. And Simeon blessed them and said unto, uh, and said unto Mary, his mother, Behold, this child is set for the fall and the rising again of many in Israel, and for a sign which shall be spoken against. Yea, a sword shall pierce through thine own soul also. Why? That the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. Let's pray. Father, would you bless our time as we look into this, your word? Thank you for 
just the privilege to open up our mouths and sing praises to your name. Lord, guide us now in your truth, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. I'd like for you to see that Simeon was a seeker of light. A seeker of light. Something that we should continue to do today. To be a seeker of the light in Jesus Christ. The truth that is in Jesus Christ. Uh, Verse number 25, we see that he greatly anticipated. He had an anticipation. Remember, they had come out of 400 years of silence. No proclamation from God saying, thus saith the Lord, from a a preacher that God would send saying, thus saith the Lord, no new revelation from God. It was a very dark time in Israel's history, but the the morning star appeared, and, and Jesus came into the world bringing great light, and Simeon anticipated that time. And so we find him there in verse number 25, being listed, recorded for us today as a man who was very just and, and very devout and very much waiting, looking forward to the coming of Jesus. Simeon uh, is not mentioned other places in Scripture. We don't know anything else of Simeon other than what we find here. We find that he's a just man. He is righteous. Positionally before God, he had placed his faith in God. He is righteous. He's devout. He's a God-fearing worshiper of of Jehovah God. Does that define you tonight? A God-fearing worshiper of Jehovah. One who fears the Lord, lives your life in respect to God's truth and to who God is. That was him. I want us to think about something. He was waiting. He was waiting for the coming of this light. The Bible says there, this word waiting is to look forward to, to anticipate, to wait eagerly for, just like kids wait for Christmas. And sometimes uh, I, I was out and, out and about and said, are you all ready for Christmas? And someone said, I'm, I'm waiting for it to be over. I'm like, they're eagerly waiting for it to get past. And it, and it ought not be that way, but sometimes that's just the reality of our lives. We're so hurried and scurried during these, on these, this time of year. But he was waiting, looking forward to that. Do you look for jesus christ do you eagerly await him in the morning do you anticipate spending time with him you know the same word looking or waiting is used over in titus 2 and verse number 11 where it talks to us about looking for the blessed hope Simeon looked for him to come the first time. You and I have the privilege right now to look for him to come in the rapture and the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, how we ought to be looking for that blessed hope and waiting for that, anticipating it in the same way. And don't you believe that the Holy Spirit might just prompt our hearts and, 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 and say, hey, time is getting short, time is getting short. And don't you believe that's already happening right now? Boy, I look forward to the coming of the Lord. He was looking for the coming of the consolation of Israel the encourager of Israel, the great comforter of Israel, the one who would be the paraclete, the one who would come alongside and walk with Israel. And you know what God has left for us today? The comforter, the Holy Spirit, another comforter who would do the same thing, comforting us, but he was looking for the comforter of Israel. In fact, during that time, it would have been a common prayer for the Israelites to pray, Lord, send your consolation. Uh, It would have been a a, a common, maybe around the meal table. May I see your consolation. May I see your comforter come. Israel was, in a sense, looking for it. They knew it was prophesied, but they didn't like it when it came in the form of Jesus Christ as a a babe born among cattle in poverty sore. Simeon didn't just pray this. He actually believed what he was praying. He actually anticipated it. 
The Bible says the Holy Ghost was upon them, guiding them in this anticipation. I believe the Holy Ghost is still guiding us in our, in our lives, helping us to anticipate the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, helping us to anticipate his truth as he teaches us and guides us in it. May we have the same spirit of anticipation that Simeon did towards Jesus Christ coming into the world. But notice, he was also very attentive. His anticipation caused him to be attentive. Lord, is it today? Is it today that you're going to send your consolation into Israel? And it was revealed, verse 26, unto him by the Holy Ghost. It was revealed. The Holy Ghost gave him revelation, gave him instruction, divine message. Hey, today is the day. Go over to the temple. That's pretty awesome. I would have liked to have been Simeon. I would have liked to have been maybe someone that saw all this happen. But he believed and, and was following after God. And God prompted him by the Holy Spirit of, of, of God, go to the temple. Now, I, wanna, I want us to, to grab a hold of something here. The Bible says he was devout. He was a God-fearing worshiper of Jehovah. Do you remember back when we talked about fearing God? When we fear God, we withhold nothing from him. But what does God give us when we fear him? The Bible tells us in Psalm 25 and verse number 14, the Bible tells us that the secret of the Lord is with them that fear him. Let's say that together. The secret of the Lord is with them that fear him. One more time. The secret of the Lord is with them that fear him. Now, what does that mean? The word secret is the idea of friendship. Uh, you have some relationships, perhaps between a husband and wife. There's things known between you that no one else knows. There's things that are known between you and a friend that no one else knows. And God is saying, my friendship, uh, my communication of who I am and what I am doing in the world is with them that fear me. And here we have a vivid example of a man who feared Jehovah God and he was above all the others in Jerusalem. He was the one prompted to go to the temple and meet baby Jesus. That's amazing. I want to fear God like that. I want to be so in tune with God. I want to live my life so in respect of the Lord Jesus Christ that God shares his secret, God shares his friendship, his truth with me in a very deep way. Not something spooky or extra revel uh, uh, beyond the, the scope of Scripture. Understand that he communicates through this word and the Holy Spirit is given to us to guide us into all truths. So he came by the Spirit, in verse number 27, into the temple. And when the parents had brought him by custom for circumcision on the eighth day, who was there? Simeon was there, ready to meet baby Jesus, who was fully God. That's hard to imagine. He was there. This was a prompting of the Holy Spirit, not happenstance, not, not coincidence. And so it leads us to understand that we should learn to listen to the Holy Spirit, learn to be attentive to the Holy Spirit, and then obey every prompting of the Holy Spirit of God. Shouldn't we? That still small voice that says, do this, don't do this, go here, call this person, get right with this person. Hey, family, uh, the family gathering isn't going to be good until you forgive this person. I'm urging you, the Holy Spirit says, to forgive and let it go. Open the way for reconciliation. Oh, that we develop that same attentiveness to the Holy Spirit of God that Simeon had. But notice, the Bible helps us to understand 
In Ephesians 5 and verse 18, we can have that same attentiveness if we'll be filled or controlled with the Holy Spirit. It says, and be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess. Excess is the idea. It is the gateway to every single sin imaginable. Uh, you, you, talk to, you talk to those that drink. Perhaps you have had a, a, a background in that way. Do you realize that many times a drunkard will say something like, well, I, after they've gotten sober, they'll say something like, well, I, I didn't realize they did that, right? And there's things that you do in a drunken state that you'd never do otherwise. And here's what God says. Hey, believer, don't be drunk with wine. Don't, don't be drunk with wine wherein is the gateway to every sin imaginable. But here's what you should be doing. Be intoxicated, be controlled by the Holy Spirit of God. Be controlled by the Holy Spirit of God. And you know what? When we're controlled by the Holy Spirit of God, there's not a, a one of us in here. Now, one believer in here that cannot see victory over every sin. Uh, there's not one believer in here that cannot not walk with the Lord Jesus Christ as we are filled with the Holy Spirit of God, as we're controlled by him. And so Simeon was attentive. He was seeking this light. And this seeking uh, turned into a satisfaction when he saw the light in the Lord Jesus Christ. Look at verse number 28 with me. And then he took him up in his arms. Now, just get that picture. Would you? Get the picture. We all enjoy holding babies, little babies, newborns, don't, don't we? Right? It's something special. But can you imagine knowing that this is God in human flesh? I cannot imagine that moment. That's amazing. Now, I don't know whether Jesus was crying at that point or being very quiet. We like to think that Jesus was a mute baby. Uh, I don't think he was a mute baby. I think he was like a baby. Um, but the, the fact of the matter is, he held Jesus. He held Jesus. The one who holds the world in his hands was being cradled in the arms of Simeon. Mm. That's amazing. And do you know what Simeon says? Lord, I'm ready to die. He didn't say that because like he was wishing suicide or something like that, something strange. He had so awaited and looked forward to this day as an old man, he now had seen everything he needed to see in this life. He was ready to go meet God. Isn't that amazing? Now, we, we talk about a bucket list, right, before we kick the bucket. Uh, some of you have skydiving on your bucket list, right? Mr. Steve, anyone else? Miss Taylor, Brother Cox. So in other words, you want to go like, like get right on the edge of kicking the bucket and, and for the sake of your bucket list. <laughs> I mean, there's, the, yeah, man, there's some crazy things on people's bucket lists. But here's, the, here's legitimately all that Simeon needed to do to feel like his life had, had, had all the fulfillment, all the satisfaction it could handle was to see the salvation of the Lord in the Lord Jesus Christ, the Messiah. That's amazing. Uh, let me die. Uh, I, I, I'm ready to go home now. I think of the words of the Apostle Paul, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. All I needed was to see Jesus, and he did. God kept him alive until that moment, and he did. And his satisfaction was in seeing Christ. What satisfies you and me? Now, that's an important question as we're in this time of the year. 
We feel like, I'm going to be satisfied if everything is normal. No, no, you will not be satisfied if everything is normal. You will not be satisfied in life until you are satisfied with Jesus Christ. You won't be satisfied in your relationships. You won't be satisfied in your homes. You will not be satisfied as a child. You will not be satisfied as a teenager. You will be satisfied nowhere until you find satisfaction in the Lord Jesus Christ. What was he satisfied about in Christ? He was satisfied in his salvation. Look at verse number 30. For mine eyes have seen thy salvation. Say that with me. For mine eyes have seen thy salvation. I have seen your promise. I've seen it here. You can go back and search the phrase, thy salvation. It comes up multiple times in the Old Testament, but it's mentioned only a few times here in the New Testament, and it's, it's a prophecy that has been fulfilled. Thy salvation, it has finally come to earth. And he says, now I'm good. I'm satisfied. He was not just satisfied by the certain blessings that Jesus would bring, the fame of holding the baby, I don't know, if it had been the Instagram era, he probably would have taken a selfie and posted it on, uh, on, on Instagram and said, hashtag held Jesus, or something like that. You understand what I mean? And there would have been a certain amount of fame, right? But it wasn't that. It's because he had held the one who would save the world. This was the promise in Isaiah, Isaiah 62 and verse 11. Behold, the Lord hath proclaimed unto the end of the world, say ye to the daughter of Zion, Behold, thy salvation cometh. Behold, his reward is with him and his work before him. What he would do is right before him. And what an amazing uh, fulfillment of prophecy that Simeon was holding in his hands, thy salvation right and cradled in his arms. But notice, thy salvation prepared for all people. Before the face of all people. Prepared by God. This was God's doing. God was taking the step towards man. He was not saying, man, you come to me. God took the first step towards us. Now he welcomes us to draw nigh to him, and he will continue to draw near to us. But he took this first step. It was prepared. It was designed by God. Now notice here, this word, and really this is the crux or what leads us to this passage, when Simeon said this would be the light to lighten the Gentiles. The light to lighten the Gentiles. What Simeon was saying is Jesus, the Messiah, was the light that would illuminate all the tribes, all mankind in the world. Not just Israel, but everyone. God has always had a heart for the whole world. In fact, he said to Israel, I want you to be my light to the whole nations. That's what I want you to do. They were the missionaries of God to the whole world. And he says, now this is the light that would lighten the Gentiles, would bring illumination, the illumination of God's truth into all the world. A light illuminating revelation to all tribes, kindreds, and nations so that one day all tribes, kindreds, and nations could bow before him and worship him as the Lord of all the earth. And he says, the glory of Israel, the glory of Israel, why the glory of Israel? Because Israel was the, the nation, the people through whom the Messiah would come. They are God's chosen people. Still today, we ought to bless Israel. We ought to join with those that bless Israel. Why? Because they're God's chosen people. That's what God said. So I want to be on God's side, so I will bless them. Genesis 12, and verse number 3. I will bless them that bless thee and curse him that curseth thee. And in thee shall all the families of the earth be blessed. The glory of Israel, the Messiah, came through them. Even Jesus told the woman at the well, you worship, you, worship, you know not what? 
We know what we worship for salvation is of the Jews. What was Jesus saying? It was only for the Jews? No, it came through. It came through the people of Israel because of the Messiah. May we have full satisfaction in Jesus Christ and in the salvation he brings. May it be enough for us. Have you lost the joy of your salvation? David said this, Lord, restore unto me the joy of my salvation. God wants you to be a joyful believer. He wants you to revel and never lose the wonder of your salvation. I wonder tonight, is there someone here that has not yet accepted this salvation, accepted Jesus Christ as the salvation of all mankind? He's prepared it for you. Titus 2 and verse 11, for the grace of God that bringeth salvation has appeared to all men. God says, here's the light. It's in Jesus Christ. I want you to accept it. I hope that you would. I hope that you would accept the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. Simeon sought the light. Boy, he was looking for it. Eagerly, he was looking for it. He found satisfaction in the light. In the light. But I want you to notice this, that this light would require sacrifice. And Simeon gets to some somber words. As a matter of prophecy, of, of saying what was coming, and notice the sacrifice of this light in verses 33 through 35, Notice that there is nothing that is free. We want the light, we want the illumination, we want salvation, but nothing is free. Even in our world today, there's no free lunch, is there? There's no free money, is there? No, and it, and it, is, it is still true that there's no free salvation. It costs Jesus Christ everything. Notice verse number 33. They marveled at this. Wouldn't you marvel at a man being prompted to meet you while you were just going about your business? Wouldn't you be thinking things like this? Well, who else knows what's going on around here? Like, who shared this thing? You know, like, what, what in the world's going on? Why are people, and it didn't stop here because Anna the prophetess walks up in, uh, next on, on them and, and has a few more words to say. So there's more things going on there. But notice, they marveled at this. They just wondered at this. I want to have that same spirit towards what God is doing in the world through the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's hard to imagine the whirlwind of emotion. Eight days previous, nine days previous, they're on a, on a journey from Nazareth to Bethlehem, having a baby in a, in, in a, in a, a stable, in a cave. Uh, they are eight days now, and I don't know how everything kind of shook out, but they're back down. They've made, they've made this trip, and now they are they're following the customs People are coming up to them that they don't know, but know about what God's doing. Can you imagine just the up and down of emotions? Ladies, do you remember giving birth? And even, do you remember the up and down of your emotions after that? Your healing, but just your, your emotions. Uh, isn't it true to say they kind of get out of whack at that point? All right, so let's, let's think about Mary here. Just think about this and, and, and consider this word marveled, pondered, considered what in the world is God doing through us. I want you to notice that this sacrifice was determined. Look at verse number 34. Behold, this child is set. Set. The idea to de determine, to establish ahead of time. 
For God, who hath commanded the light to shine out of darkness, hath shined into our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. God had made this plan. God had determined this way ahead of time before the foundations of the world that Jesus Christ would be sent into the dark world as the light. It was a determined sacrifice that he would go to the cross and he would die on behalf of our sins. Genesis 3 and verse number 15 is the first verse that gives the understanding that that there would come a Messiah and that he would die in place for our sins. And so it was set, it was determined ahead of time that this would happen Isn't that an indicator of the great love of our God towards his creation? He's set towards a rise and fall. Not all would receive his salvation. Some would go back and forth about whether they they would receive him as the Messiah. Uh, They would waffle in their minds. And one commentator said it this way, those who were arrogant, unrepentant, and unbelieving would fall and be punished. Those who humbled themselves, repented of their sins, and received the Lord Jesus Christ would rise and be blessed before him. He was set for the rising and the fall of those in Israel, but there was a sign that would be spoken against him. He would be set for a sign that would be spoken against him. In other words, there would be many who would refuse to receive him. And they would look at him and they would realize he was a token of God's mercy. And they, he was also an indicator that they needed to admit their own righteousness was filthy rags and that they couldn't have a relationship with, uh, with God without this person, the Messiah. And they would reject him. They would speak against him. Christ's enemies would be determined in their rejection against him. John 3, verse 17, the Bible says that he didn't come into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He goes on to say that this is the condemnation. When we, when we don't receive him, when we don't believe on him, we are condemned already. Do you realize that there are people around you that you walk past each day that are already living in condemnation because they've not yet received Jesus Christ? But it goes on to say in verse number 19, and this is the condemnation, that the light is come into the world, and men loved darkness rather than light because their deeds are evil. So the light came. They didn't receive it. They rejected it. Why? Because they loved their evil deeds. Oh, how we ought not to pray for a great awakening, an enlightenment, an illumination where God begins to shake a country, shake a city with the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ, realizing that they, they are under the awful condemnation of a holy God. And he is that same holy God who is so loving that sent his son into the world, not to condemn them, but to bring them to himself. Christ's sacrifice would be a weaving of both the sovereignty of God and the free will of man. We see that excellently described in Acts chapter number 2 and verse number 23, him being delivered by the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God. Ye have taken by wicked hands and crucified him and slain him. That it would be God, yes, he's allowing this and determined that his son would be sacrificed for our sins, but evil men chose to take him and put him on the cross. Why? Because they hated what he stood for. They hated what he signified, and so he was put to the cross. Yes, it was a determined sacrifice, but verse 35 He told Mary, it's going to be a difficult sacrifice. Mary, you're going to watch this happen. It's hard enough to lose a a child while living. But to see a child go to the cross and die a criminal's death 
I cannot imagine. I cannot imagine. Yea, a sword shall pierce through thy own soul. That's exactly what it must have felt like. It says in John 19 and verse 25, Now there stood by the cross of Jesus his mother and his mother's sister, Mary the wife of Cleophas, and Mary Magdalene. Mary was there. She watched everything happen. She watched him nailed to the cross. She watched the Roman soldiers mock and call him names. He watched. She watched as he gasped for breath. She watched as they parted his garments. She watched. And Simeon said, it's going to happen. There's going to be a sword that pierces your heart when you see this. The sacrifice would not be without worthwhile purpose, Mary. What's the worthwhile purpose? Notice there in verse number 35, that, he says, that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. That the, the in, inside of many hearts would be revealed. Listen, your response to the Lord Jesus Christ, your physical response, your, your mental response reveals something about your heart, whether your heart is, is at odds against God or right with God. Your response to the Lord Jesus Christ tonight, whether you're a believer or an unbeliever, your response to God says a lot about your heart. It reveals something about your heart. And she says, he says to Mary, listen, many hearts through the sacrifice of your son, many hearts are going to be revealed. The most important thing about your friends and those you work with and your family members is how have they responded to the Lord Jesus Christ. Not how much money they have, not how much they've hurt you. Not the leg up that they've gotten in life. But what's the response to the Lord Jesus Christ? I think about Mary. She stood there by the cross. And I think about the sacrifice of this human mother love Jesus with all of her heart just like a mother would love any other child. What are you willing to sacrifice so that others can have light? What are you willing to sacrifice so that others would have the opportunity to respond to Jesus Christ? Fame? Comfort? Time? Finances? Location. And there she stood watching her son die. The light of the world. The light of the world. John 12 and verse 26, 46 says, I am come a light into the world that whosoever believeth on me should not walk in darkness. If you've not yet received Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, tonight you can walk in the light as he is in the light if you will choose to uh, admit that you are a sinner and that you are helpless before a holy God, helpless, uh, and you deserve the penalty of hell. And if you'll receive what he has done for you on your behalf, he went to the cross for you. He says, I will make you to walk in light as I am in light. Colossians 1 and verse number 13, who has delivered us from the power of darkness, and yes, it was powerful, is not sin gripping, 
is not addiction gripping, is not a, a life following after Satan's ways and his lies and his deceit, is it not just gripping, is it not well-defined as a bound-up life or a, an enslaved life? Yes. He says, who hath delivered us, who has rescued us, who has saved us from the power of darkness and has translated us, he has removed us from the power of darkness, the kingdom of Satan, into the kingdom of his dear son, into this bright and light kingdom. We walk in the light as he is in the light. What an amazing transaction has made at salvation at the moment that we believe on Jesus Christ as the only payment for our sins. The light of the world. The light of the world is Jesus. And friends, tonight, if I could encourage you in two ways, as we go through this week and beyond this week, would you ask God to rekindle your wonder at the fact that Jesus came into your life and enlightened you? And if you've not yet received him, would you make that top priority even tonight? Oh, that you'd receive the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Savior and have that light in your soul, the light that he came to bring, the, the, the light that chases away the darkness. What a wonderful Savior we have in the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's revel in that. Would you bow with me in prayer? With your heads bowed, I don't want to be remiss. How many of you say, Pastor, I know that I, I have accepted the light of the world. I know that Jesus Christ is my personal Savior. I have accepted Jesus Christ as my personal Savior. I know that my sins are forgiven and I have eternal life. Would you just give testimony of that with an upraised hand? I know that. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. That's a great testimony. Friend, you can now draw near to God, he says, and this is revival, draw near to him and he will draw near to you, the book of James says. Keep getting close to the light. Keep getting close to the truth. Take a step this week. Don't wait till Sunday. Take another step tonight and another step tomorrow. Keep getting close to the light. Is there anyone here that would say, Pastor, I don't know for certain I'm saved, but I'd like to and I'm concerned about that. God's working in my heart about that. Anyone hear about that? Let's get that taken care of tonight. Amen. As a note of invitation is played right there in your seats, could I encourage you in this way? If you've lost the joy of your salvation, the joy of the light of the world being in your life, would you just pause and ask God, like David said, Lord, would you restore unto me the joy of your salvation? Lord, I've been letting too much worldly darkness get into my life and bring fear and anxiety and confusion. Oh God, would you allow Jesus to shine in his full brightness in my heart and life through his word, by the power of the Holy Spirit? Father, tonight, thank you for 
Thank you for being our, our loving Father. Thank you for sending your dear Son into this world to be the light that would bring us illumination. God, give us a burden for those that walk around us in darkness. Lord, not a, not a pious spirit, not a better-than-you attitude, Lord, a broken heart like you had as you walked about those that, that were unsaved and that didn't know you. Oh, give us a heart of compassion. Help us to continue to walk in the light as you're in the light, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening today. For more information about Grace Baptist Church, please visit our website at gracebaptistofkettering.org. And remember, you are always welcome at Grace Baptist Church.